Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're actually now in Taichung, Taiwan. We just uh, got here after taking the high-speed rail from uh, uh, Taipei to Taichung. It only took 47 minutes, and it's 300-plus kilometers an hour uh, to cover about 180 kilometers, so pretty cool. I have a lot of pictures and videos, and... Uh, blogs about our trip here to Taiwan and beyond. So make sure you follow us along at daddyblogger.com. And as we're traveling, we love interviewing fellow entrepreneurs, fellow digital nomads, fellow world travelers, and fellow friends of ours. So on today's episode, I have the opportunity and the pleasure and honor of interviewing a great friend of mine who I've known for several, several years. I think it's been about seven plus years. When I first met Anissa, I was just married. Yes, yes, there you go. I just, just married. That's right. And, just uh, married. Yes, just newly married, didn't have kids. Well, here we are uh, three years later, uh, having three kids, and I've known Anissa through all these years. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, just connecting uh, on a personal level and a professional level, and uh, really supporting each other uh, in our, our common interests, our common passions for family, entrepreneurship, business, travel, and more. Uh, so on today's episode, I get to uh, interview Anissa about a very important topic, which is life by design, not by default. And of course, uh, you know, one of our themes of the show is this um, idea of like um, working where you want, um, doing what you want, with who you want, anywhere in the world, right? Uh, as long as you're Wi-Fi. So it's a very appropriate topic for our podcast. And Anissa is definitely an expert in this area. Uh, she does coaching and workshops around this area. Uh, she's actually from Vancouver, actually in the Fraser Valley area. But now she's actually moved uh, to a beautiful area of British Columbia called Whistler. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it was actually one of the host areas for the Winter Olympics in 2010. And it's one of the top ski resorts um, in all of North America, and it's a really beautiful area. So we're going to be talking about Anissa's own transition from city girl to now mountain girl. So Anissa, how are you doing over there in beautiful Whistler, BC, Canada today? Well, we transitioned from January to July, a word we never thought we would ever use. So we've only had probably about two weeks of warm weather. Um, but when it gets warm, it gets really, really hot. So I bike home from the village and I can hit the lake on the warm days and swim up. But on the cold days, I think, I, I think I'll, I'll stay out of the lake. Um, but that, and the growing season here is not what I'm used to. I'm used to living out in Abbotsford in the Fraser Valley where it's, it's a green belt. We grow everything all the time. You know, you, you start, you start your seedlings in February and you've got plants by March and April. And I've got seedlings out on the deck here that are only this big, but the ones that I have in our greenhouse are actually doing quite well. So it's just been so wet and cold that nobody wants to grow with, with this weather. Um, but if you go past Whistler and go up to Pemberton and into Lillooet, you get the hot weather. So that's why they are the farming belt up in this area. So I've only actually moved about three hours um, up the mountain but it's a huge difference in temperature and weather but it is still a valley it is still the mountains so it's it's still what i love i i i don't know if you've ever driven on the prairies and gone across alberta and all of a sudden driven into banff and you just feel hugged by the mountains if you have always lived in a valley and in the mountains you it's it, it's this unconscious safe place so i'm definitely feeling like this is home 
That is great to hear. That is great to hear. And I actually did end up doing a trip across the prairies. Uh, thanks to one of our blog sponsors, actually. Uh, Volkswagen, they flew us over to Manitoba, and they made us test drive uh, some of their cars <laughs> across the prairies. And it was me and my buddy, Robin Wong. Uh, we went from Manitoba to Saskatchewan to Alberta. And like you said, it is so weird because there's just empty, empty, empty space. Uh, and then, of course, when you get into Alberta, British Columbia, then you have those beautiful Rocky Mountains and, uh, you know, uh, living, growing up in Vancouver, I'm definitely so used to looking in the sky and seeing the mountains. Uh, and on a lot of our travels, we don't see that. So we're really, uh, you're quite blessed living in Vancouver. You have the city, the, the water and the mountains all in one area. So definitely a great part of the world. And, you know, you talked about uh, things like uh, maybe you won't have as much fresh produce where you're staying because you're always going to have both those pros and the cons of uh, living no matter where there's always going to be good and bad things so before we get into uh, you know this whole topic of life by design i want to uh, hear a little bit of your story i know it personally but a lot of our viewers and listeners they don't know it yet uh, so why don't we hear your own life by design story of how you uh, you know left the corporate world became an entrepreneur and now uh, moved up to whistler in about two minutes uh, if you want to summarize your whole life in two minutes no easy, no hard task, right? Well, well my kids were in school. In, in, I, I, I didn't go to university until I was 29. And by then I had already been a graphic designer working for myself. I'd done interior des aviation design, so private jets and carpet design. It was pretty interesting. Um, and we all got laid off and I'm like, oh, I could go to university. So I did university for seven years after I was 29 and that helped me buy um, a couple houses because I, a lot of people don't realize they can take their student loans. And if you live in your house, you can put that towards your mortgage. Um, so that gave me a little bit of a jump on life. And so when the kids graduated, well, Hannah graduated first. She's 24 now. She's married. She has a three-year-old. She, they just bought their first house. They live in Kamloops. Um, the daycare, she's working on her uh, early childhood education. Um, she's a baby whisperer. And uh, Garrett is 22. So when Garrett graduated, he'd already been kind of in grade 12. He was very independent. So I had to start looking at what I wanted to do. And actually, you came out when I was working for uh, Play Gym, 10,000 square foot Play Gym. And I realized I was running that business for someone else when I was able to take it from a deficit of 25 grand in the hole to um, double that in the bank and it wow. really gave me confidence yeah yeah it gave me a lot of confidence in running running a business and things like that as well um, and so I realized that I did not keep after I realized the kids weren't going to need uh, they don't they didn't want to go to university right after high school so I kept the house long enough you know to make sure because I always said I wouldn't pay for university, but you'll always have a place to stay. Because when I was going to university, um, I, I watched a lot of kids waste their parents' money. So I always said, I'll pay for your accommodations, oh, yeah. but it seems like the kids who pay for their <laughs> get more value out of it. So I moved out of, the, out of Vancouver, and I, uh, while I was waiting for the house to sell, I moved and started managing a place, uh, an apartment building, a refurbished, beautiful place downtown Vancouver and started working again getting the um, uh, social teaching social media and things like that and I ended up reviving a, a coffee group that I had started in Abbotsford it was just like market people would be like I want to know more about social media or I would give little classes in my house 
And that was, and then while I was in Vancouver, it became Ficka Friday. So, cause people would be like, oh, let's get together. And they really just wanted a little bit of information. So I would just say, well, I'll be at Revolver or I'll be here. And 10 women would show up. <laughs> and so eventually that just became the ladies meeting. It became structured. Um, we now have 20 women always show up. Uh, many of them are members at the Silvio Hotel. And, and as a result of what we do, women are building deep connections over a long term with each other. And we, uh, our goal is to build skills as well with them and um, from each other. But also, like, we always have a speaker. And on the website, we have some basic social media training. And we're building master classes. Something I'd love to have you maybe as one of our instructors. Um, and just so that they can build their life skills and their business skills and keep moving forward. And um, through that, building life like we were talking about earlier, building life design and um, doing private retreats and things like that, because I do live in Retreat Central. <laughs> so I um, did a, a, a class called, um, a life design class called Project Manager Life. And we had 10 people that were from all over the world, from Costa Rica, from um, Toronto, just from, uh, there's one from California. And we just looked at where they were in their business and their lifestyle and where they were living because as we were talking about before as well, often people aren't taught that it's important to be, know where you want to live. No one ever taught me that. And so I was very stuck um, because I didn't want my kids to move around to different schools and their dad was in Abbotsford. My parents were in Abbotsford. So I was there for all of my whole high school years. And then I came back and I had to finish off their high school years in a town that I was kind of done with for a very long time. And I really thought I wanted city life. And often, as we're taught to become entrepreneurs or start a business no one says where do you want to live go on an adventure go travel and figure out where like what suits you best and I never really felt like a country country girl and I always thought I wanted to be in the city and so I tried uh, that building that I was working in um, and managing the, the the apartments and then there's we also owned retail downstairs it was right on the edge of Gastown which I always thought would be the coolest thing because when I was 13 I went to modeling school there and I I just thought Gastown would be the best place to live. And I didn't sleep for, I don't think, the whole eight months that I lived there. <laughs> so I needed to find a quieter space, but I still loved city life. So I've had to figure out, and this is part of what we ta I talked about in this class, is figure out where do you want to be for your lifestyle. And even, we don't really talk about where we're going to retire um, or how we're going to build a lifestyle as we age. And the joke in Whistler is that you age backwards, right? So, and then showing people, like once they decided where they want to go, like we do the dream boards, but nobody says, well, how do you achieve each of those things on your dream board, right? So what is the gap between where you are and these dreams that you want? And then taking those objects um, and, and looking what the gap is and what, like, what are the first 10 steps that you need to do to close the gap, right? So that's part of what I'm working on with people um, and just staying in and having a regular connection in Vancouver the, the, having the ladies meeting down in Vancouver keeps me out of the bubble because Whistler is is very unique we have our own culture because we really are a town of 10,000 but we have 40,000 people sometimes dropping in for the weekend so we have a very unique culture we have several different kind of sectors in our community from um, people like myself so i've moved here i'm going to live here permanently 
We have st uh, staff here that are just here on two-year visas. So we have a ton of Aussies and people from other countries. Um, so they're just here for two years. So you're not building the same relationship with that person, for example, because you know they're going to leave in two years. And then you have business owners that are very established, been who are, you know, they're here for the weekend, they're here for a week, they're here for an event. And the, that, I mean, people don't quite get that we have 20 to 40,000 people drop in for the weekend. Um, per capita, we probably move more people than any other place in our, I used to, I've been working for transit. So we were, per capita, we've moved more people than almost any other town in North America. And if you think of a city of the size of Prince George, to the other in about 35 to 40 minutes. We have the same transportation budget as a city the size of French Church. Wow, that's amazing. And of the tourism budget in British Columbia, in our parks in Iraq, right? So it's kind of, it's, it's a very unique space to be with tons of opportunity with all of the, all of the drives and events and things that a city has, but with the beauty of being in a resort and being like, I live so close to the, I can go and swim in four different lakes in one day if I wanted to, you know, that's pretty cool. You can go skiing at the top on the glacier, come down to the village, skateboard home, go for a, a you know, go for a paddleboard on the lake all in one day. <laughs> and then you can just. Amazing, amazing. I've had a chance obviously to go to Whistler many, many times living in Vancouver, incredible place. And I can see why you decided to call it home. Um, so I want to do a breakdown into the, in terms of this whole area of life by design. And you alluded to, to some great examples. A lot of people create these amazing vision boards with a lot of pictures uh, about where they want to live or uh, their dream home, where they want to travel to, their perfect spouse. Um, but, but the thing is, they don't have the implementation plan to make those dreams a reality. So I want to cover kind of like... Um, the tips and the strategies and the breakdown of how they can go from dream to doing, dreaming to doing, dreaming to doing. So uh, let's uh, cover some of the questions that people need to ask themselves. And I love how you brought up this, where do you want to live? Where do you want to build your business? Where do you want to retire? And uh, most of us uh, have lived by default. Okay, our parents grew up in a suburb. We grew up in a suburb. Well, I got married in a suburb. And then, you know, you just kind of, continue it a generation and there's nothing wrong with that if you like it if you like uh where you are then stay there right but um if you don't ask these deeper questions then the default will be the norm so i want to i want to cover like how do people actually ask the right questions i lost you ask again i lost you for a second Yes, yes. So, like, what kind of questions should someone ask themselves when they're considering the life by design? Uh, what are the core, fundamental, metaphysical questions? So, one of the things you can do is look at what you are now, and, and if you were to write a biography of your perfect life how, and, and where you want to be and what you're doing, how committed are you to making that happen? So, for example, myself, I wanted to, um, because I've had a concussion for the last two years, so I'm rebuilding my body physically, and I had to make a commitment to, to healing and getting better. So I started biking. To, I took a 30-day challenge, and I find that this is one of the most 
uh, effective ways to show how committed you are and to create a pattern to get yourself to go in the direction that you want, whether it's moving to a new city, whether it's a better body, whether it's, um, so for example, I joined Toastmasters. So it's about, first of all, deciding how committed you are. So one of the things is planning your life by post-it note. And so I give people a stack of post-it notes like this. I always have them handy. It goes on to a separate post-it note and then you put it into your book in the order of how important it is so what you're going to do then is you can take time to think about it because it's on a post-it note and decide how committed you are to that being the first thing you need to work on so for example if you wanted to uh, have a laptop lifestyle and visit different countries the most important thing might mean getting a passport well what are the first couple steps you need to do to get a passport so this is project management this is I, I used to do five million dollar building projects and I finally went oh different to project managing a building project than it is to project managing your life so um, for me what I've done the last the things that I'm most committed to are money body and building my coaching business so I've cre I've created the steps and for example have you you know Teresa Lorico, right? Yeah. yeah, from Social Aid. So I'm actually with produced the Miracle Morning movie yes. for Hal. Great book, yes. So we're doing a yes, yes. So we're actually hands and dreams with a group of about I think there's about ten or fifteen of us, and it's that level of commitment to making certain changes in your life for me I'm I, I know exactly where I want to go now so every morning I'm getting up and looking at my goals and um, it's kind of after the post-it note stage because I've decided what's important to me right now but for a lot of people those decisions haven't really been made yet as to how they're gonna get across that I think these 30-day challenges the one I did before this as I challenged my women was a 30 day was working on my financial plan so for 30 days I got on Facebook and I posted about just different little money things while working on a spreadsheet that I gave them. Um, and then I'll actually build that into a program. So how committed are you is probably the first question to getting across that gap. To me, that's the first question. Because, so you have to decide how important it is to you. So that's why I ask people to put them when we do this project is, is pick, pick it. And you know what you might uh, decide to change your mind then maybe may, maybe getting ten thousand dollars in the bank is more important well how are you going to do that what are the first ten steps to, to do that or if it's living in Whistler this is a great example this is a very strange town where you don't get a job in Whistler first you get a place to live in Whistler first if you don't have a unlike probably anywhere else in the world so you have to figure out what, if you want to live in Whistler and have a job here it isn't get it and then find house the first 10 steps to moving here are have a, a really good deposit make sure you've got a couple months of rent in the bank and you need a letter that says where that you actually live here because your employer is going to actually follow up because there are so many people that come here and can't find a place to live or you actually have to share a room which just seems unbelievable <laughs> in this day and age um, for what you're making here 
And then, so you've got to go through those steps in a different order than you might if you were moving to Vancouver. In Vancouver, you just go, you'd buy, you'd go find a place to live and you'd go find a job. Nobody's going to ask you if you have a place to live, right? It's just, it's not a common question. Um, a really interesting, even just uh, how people have to get hired here too, because we have a shortage um, because of this housing challenge, we have a shortage, shortage of employees. So I was in a HR course with the manager at the Gap, and if she doesn't literally get a resume and hire someone and get them on the floor in three days, she loses them, their employer. Her set of goals, because she's in Whistler to hire somebody, are very different than her, her counterpart down in Vancouver. So for her, uh, one of her goals might be to hire three people for, for September, and it's going to be much more difficult than someone in another location. So what is making your goals happen? Awesome advice, awesome advice and tips and uh, examples there, Anissa. Uh, so I think one of the uh, barriers that people have is uh, the mental barriers and the financial barriers. I hear this over and over. Uh, they, they limit themselves by their mind and they limit themselves by their bank account or their wallet. So how can they overcome the mental barriers and the money barriers? Well, and I've had that same problem too. And, and it's been um, going from being dependent on as a mom and now as a grandma and, and to I can do anything I want. There's still that mental barrier of I should be taking care of other people. and um, even though I've been listening to Anthony Robbins and I've been listening to, you know, all the motivational speak, same you and I, I'm pretty sure we listen to a lot of the same people saying that we need to be doing mantras and, and, and reading out loud. I've ever actually done it in my life. And even within the first couple of days, really cool, magical stuff happened. So I think um, I actually, I actually write them down. I carry this book with me everywhere now, which is down in Vancouver. And I think that writing down um, what you want to do, um, I have some of the um, affirmations, that's the word I'm looking for, um, affirmations and the visualizations, they're, I didn't do them. And again, that comes down to that commitment and discipline to put that commit to um, daily affirmations. Are you willing to commit to visualizing what your goals are? Are you willing to write about them every day that happens? Um, and also, there's a, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it. It's in, uh, it's, a, it's a leadership book for more corporate companies. It's going to come to me. Um, there's a series of them, Good to Great, I think it is. It, Good to Great, I can't think of the author right now. And Jim Collins. It Jim talks, Collins. There you go, Jim Collins, Good to Great. And I, I wanna think of the gentleman that this principal is named after. Maybe you can uh, come up with that as well. Um, but it's, it, it, it's come from a World War II, probably World, World War II vets that were held in captivity. And the one that survived and, and they asked him like what was the mentality it took to survive in, in, in the encampments being tortured things like that and it was a difference and then they applied this to company because they did the research they applied this theory to the companies it was um, you, you hear people going you know what it's 
going to be great by Christmas and by Christmas, everything's going to be fine. And by Christmas, we're going to meet our sales goals or by Christmas, they're going to let us out um, versus the mentality of I'm going to survive until I get out. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay strong. I'm going to, until I get out, I'm still, I, you know, I'm going to keep strong and keep mentally strong. Um, and applying that to the companies and someone should go read this out loud because it's been a while since I've, I've really read, read this theory and I wish I could think of the name of it. It's, it's the gentleman's last name and the principle um, versus the theory of we are going to sell this many things and we are, it's just going to happen. And if it doesn't happen by Christmas, well, we're still going to make it happen. So it's just that, um, so say for example, uh, you needed to save up the 10 grand to reach a certain goal. Are you going to give up because it didn't happen by Christmas or are you going to stick with it? And if the first set of goals doesn't work, are you going to find maybe a different mentor or a coach to help you get to that next level? Are you going to read a book that's going to help you um, learn how to make an extra $200 a week? Are you willing to go work a night job to get some extra money in the bank? You know, that versus, you know, oh, it didn't happen by Christmas. So it, there's that disappointment factor versus so we're still going to work on this. Right. And so it's that mindset of, are you, how, how hard are you willing to work? How committed are you to putting the work in to achieve those goals? And are you going to give up because you don't, don't achieve them? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely hear some recurring themes about the commitment factor, uh, that making a decision and uh, uh, doing it no matter what, uh, you know, no matter what obstacles or deadlines or, people or mindsets get in the way uh, and uh, definitely um, um, actualizing that into reality. I love the, you know, the writing stuff down either in a journal or even on your notes uh, of your phone. Uh, make sure you write stuff down because then you get it from your mind to in front of you and then you can actually look at it more from that third person reality rather than that kind of the mental analysis paralysis, uh, which we have all gone through, right? The analysis paralysis or the overthinking, the procrastination, et cetera. So uh, we've covered a lot. So I'm curious to know on the kind of like more practical strategies. So uh, you make a decision, like a lot of people have a dream, like, like moving to Hawaii or moving to Costa Rica, something like that, right? So like these big lofty dreams that just stay a dream. They're like, oh, one day I'll move to Hawaii. One day I'll move to Costa Rica. One day I'll move to Bali, Indonesia, right? But that one day never comes, as we all know, right? So um, you've already talked about the commitment. I am committed to going to Bali or I'm committed to going to Hawaii. Uh, you talked about writing it down and actualizing, getting the support. Uh, what kind of – you talked about project management, like 10 steps. So what would be like 10 steps to moving to Hawaii or yep. five steps to moving to Hawaii? Give us some practical breakdown. Uh, so absolutely. So first thing you might do, let's use this as this is a – perfect example um first you might find someone else who's already done it from so we're, I'm, I'm canadian you're canadian what would we need to do as a canadian to move to hawaii uh, right. what do we need to do to get a job there or are we going to retire there and there's actually for example um funny fact as a caretaker when i was building the rv park in abbotsford i was part of a caretakers uh like an online thing and you can actually go and work on like the equivalent of like a so you can go and there's ways to get there. Um, read books like, uh, what books can you read about people who live in Hawaii? What are you doing? Hawaiian. I met a guy, I learned like, oh, Hawaiian shirts yesterday. I was at a party, for example. Um, and these people had spent a lot of t time in Hawaii and they have, has coconut buttons. Um, 
how many different things can you find out about Hawaii? Uh, have you visited? Maybe is it dream or do you actually know what it's like to live in Hawaii to make sure? So for example, I came to Whistler for six weeks because a friend went um, boating for six weeks and her apartment was free. So I came for six weeks. She, she rented me her apartment for a uh, hundred dollars a week. So I was like, well, that's a no brainer, right? To come and try for you buy is another one basically like try it on. I tried on Vancouver. I really thought I would love Gastown. And, but the way I did it was I went in, I, I ran building, um, the, the, the Argyle building in Vancouver. It's above the Prado cafe there. I ran that building. It's a beautiful refurbished old hotel. It's brand all brand like they, they completely scrapped it. So I went and tried it. It didn't work for me. I didn't sleep for that long. I didn't want to live on the edge of people always. Um, I always help people and I needed to get out of that helping phase of my life because we're right on the downtown east side there where the humanity was, it's pretty treacherous down there. Um, so have you explored and the number one thing I also, um, recommend people if they're going to a new space you're going to build relationships so number one thing could be to go and volunteer at the food bank or if you are like i'm part of one of the things done to find people that i really connect with because now that i want to build my speaking um, and i'm speaking at private retreats and things and so i'm really conscious of becoming a better speaker. So I joined Toastmasters here, even though I've been a Toastmasters many times, I really didn't have the intense purpose that I have now. So I've actually, as I'm writing my book, I'm testing my chapter, and these amazing friendships there. So is there a Toastmasters group in Hawaii? Is there, if you're in Rotary, is there a Rotary group in Hawaii? Or um, another service club, or maybe you want to check out the meetups, meetup groups in Hawaii. So what you, you don't even have to go there to connect with those people. Um, and if you've never been to Toastmasters, but you think you might, well, maybe in your hometown, you want to start joining Toastmasters here because eventually you want to move to Toastmasters in Hawaii, which means you can make person, things like that. Um, you can get onto LinkedIn and you can look at what kind of jobs are available in Hawaii. What qualifications do you need for the kind of job that you want? Um, if you want to become a surf instructor, maybe you need to make sure you've got your American, the equivalent of American first aid or things like that. So I like, for example, the, the terminology, listening to the Aussies here, there's a girl in my uh, Toastmasters group was talking about her. Um, she was a swim instructor and she took, uh, it was very different wording um, than, what, than you would use here to be a lifeguard, right? Because there it's a surf something, uh, safety instructor, blah, blah, blah. Right, so it's just different terminology. So what terminology do you need to understand? Do you have a map of the island up on your wall so you're visualizing, so you know where you live? Do you, you wanna go research turtles? Cause they seem to be, I, I always hear people talking about Hawaii and turtles. I can go on forever here. <laughs> uh, you know, so just write down all of the things it might take to get to Hawaii, do them all in a post-it note and then prioritize them again in a book Number one, to, like might the first one might be is it maybe I need to do an all inclusive and just see what it's like, or maybe if I talk to someone who lives in Hawaii, they love me for, you know, I've been invited to Paris for weekends because I happen to be at a Paris pop up in Abbotsford, a Paris pop up store, but in Paris, France, they were actually having a Paris pop up dinner, and they were like, oh hey, you should come over, and visit, come have dinner with us, you know, like. Social media has made the low barrier because people are, 
just are um, just open. I mean, you're finding this, I'm sure, as you travel. We're open to wanting to get to know each other and not have barriers. And I know if, uh, a couple of people, if I just texted them on, on Twitter, that I could have a cup of coffee with a stranger in, in, in Sweden, in Stockholm, right now, <laughs> you know? So what can you do to just reach out and connect? Hit hashtag Hawaii and <laughs> see what you find. Amazing, amazing tips. Uh, you are definitely a great wealth of info about this uh, area of life by design. I totally agree with all your points there about finding someone who's living the life you want to, especially when you mentioned, like, not only someone who's well, maybe from Australia or America, but someone who's a fellow Canadian, because they'll, they'll understand the visa issues and the unique kind of challenges and difficulties that a fellow person of your nationality would have. Um, you know, maybe the, the gender issues, the ethnic, ethnic issues, the whether single, married, or a family, um, you know, um, you talked about uh, talking to one person, like interviewing them. Um, what, what we ended up doing is like uh, when we decided to travel, there was a life by life uh, location independent families group. Sorry, there's a little bit of noise here in the background. Location independent. So join Facebook groups and listen to podcasts, uh, go to events and meetups and Toastmasters. So all solid, 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 solid advice. Uh, great advice here. I look forward to the Life by Design book by Nisa as well. <laughs> I have one book coming. It's coming. It's, uh, that'll, be, that'll be book number two. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It'll probably be a workbook. Yes. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally, I could, I could definitely see uh, myself and, you know, other people filling out this workbook because you've asked so many really solid questions. And really people need to sit down, take all away the distractions and, and answer those questions, not in your mind, but in front of you. So great advice, great advice. So in closing, um, if people wanted to connect with you, I know you do private coaching, you do uh, workshops and events. How can they do that, Anissa? Um, they can find, well, I have two podcasts. They can find me if, if you're a woman and you're wanting to connect with me in Vancouver, theladiesmeeting.com. And if you want to hear the other side of my Whistler life, which is epiclifestyles.ca. And uh, my last interview, for example, was with Chad Bentley, who's doing the Epic Five, which is five Ironmans in five days through the, ironically, in the Hawaiian Islands. So guy you might want to connect with after he comes back if you want to move to Hawaii. Um, so yeah, um, listen to the podcasts. My my connection, you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. So I'm I'm pretty easy to find. So yeah, those two websites is, is where you find us. And if you uh, want to, uh, if you listen to the podcast as well, just send me uh, an email or or you can reach me on Twitter at Anisa C. And I'll put you on our guest list if you're a woman for the uh, the ladies meeting. We meet on the last Tuesday of every month except December because that would be crazy. <laughs> and uh, in Vancouver, DC. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Anissa. It's always great to connect with you. I'll have those links below so you can uh, connect with Anissa. And I've, um, I'm also going to be interviewed on uh, Anissa's podcast. I'll have that link below so you'll be able to listen to my episode. Uh, so thank you again, Anissa. Uh, definitely some amazing information, uh, very uh, practical and very applicable to our digital nomad community. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks. And say hi to Anne. And I can't wait to see you guys again and meet, meet baby number three. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
Yes, Anissa had a chance to play with our kids when we went down to uh, the facility she talked about, the Abbey. So next we'll have to do all three kids. Uh, so thank you everyone for tuning into this episode. Uh, definitely a very practical one. And uh, we'd love your feedback on what do you guys think. And leave us a rating or review. Apologies to the Wi-Fi and apologies for the noise. But uh, hey, this is what you have to do uh, when you're traveling. And you never know what to expect. All part of the journey. So thanks everyone. And we'll catch up with you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money and how to live life by design. Happy travels. <laughs>